I'd say one of the two major heartbeats of Manchester is music, the other being football. It's such a pleasure to be a part of this and to be a part of such a, a you know, such a great community. I guess it's um, like a family base now, isn't it? It's just having that, I think, support and you can just see other people around you that need you as much as you need them. You know, the fitness side's a massive bonus. But yeah, I just, I just wanted to go and just make some new mates, and I have. They're all part of it because they've all promoted what we're about and that whole ethos, which is, which is amazing. Creating a safe space for people to come and tell their story was something that I really wanted to do when I first started out with Happy Sundays. Launching the Happy Sundays podcast has been my highlight of 2022, and putting these episodes together has been an absolute joy. We have had guests on representing Happy Sundays as a whole, as well as others from right across our network. And the aim is to carry on bringing these episodes to you in 2023 and beyond with more guests telling more of their stories. So we've done nine episodes so far with eight different guests. Uh, we had to split the Andy Ellis one in two because it was really long. But within those episodes, we've covered the formation of the incentive. We've discussed the fitness sessions that we host. We focused on women's football and our fantastic ladies team that we have. We've done disability awareness. And we've even had an ex-professional not bad for the first year, I think. So, releasing on New Year's Eve 2022, here is a look back for the best bits of the Happy Sundays podcast so far. As I said, it's been an absolute pleasure to host it, and I do hope you will join us for more of these episodes in the new year and beyond. Thank you. So, having a platform for people to come on and tell their stories is all well and good, However, people needed to know what we're about first and foremost, so to do that, I decided to do an introduction to Happy Sunday's episode, and my guest for that one was the legend that is Joe Farrow. Now Joe, he'll hate me for saying this, but it's true, Joe is the head honcho, right? He's the guy who makes everything tick. Without Joe, there would not be a Happy Sundays, it's as simple as that. Joe came on and he talked us through the idea that he had. It was his idea to, to sort of launch all of this. He talked us through having that idea and going from basically being an idea to being an actual incentive that's gone to be massive and will probably end up being even bigger across the next uh, sort of year or two as well. Um, but yeah, it came from humble beginnings and Joe talked about that in his podcast. And this is what he had to say. It's really interesting, actually. So I did get quite a, you know, a pretty bad injury, and I came back from that injury. And in, obviously, my my goal was to hopefully play again. And I was never very good, you know. I just enjoyed playing, and I was quite fortunate that when I came back from uni and stuff, you know, some friends set up a Sunday league team, and they would never have kind of like said, "Oh, you know, we don't want Joe to play because he's not good enough," even though odds were that I wasn't. So obviously, getting injured, you know, I was helping out as a secretary of a team and. You know, I ended up taking over as manager. It was never in my mind to get back into playing. My knee was still giving me jip. I'd put a lot of weight on. And, you know, you can kind of just get to a point where you're like, yeah, you know, that, that's that gone now. I'm not going to get that back. And it was kind of, it was before COVID and stuff, you know, it was it was, it was 2020. And I kind of rang a few people because my football team had folded and stuff. And I rang a few people and was basically hinting or, you know, just outward asking, say, could I, you know, could I come and train with your footy team? I, I don't want to sign on, knowing full well I'm not good enough to play for these teams. There's a lot of talented people in women's show playing, you know, amateur football. I just wanted to trade and basically learn to kick a ball, you know, not very well, but just kick a ball again. Uh, you know, we both kind of did a bit at the man versus fat and, you know, it's 
that was a really nice experience um, and it kind of got me a flavor for it back but it, you know it was a long way to go and you know it it, it just it wasn't my cup of tea in all honesty so you know you write, you ring a few people and some of these people you know had held tight in the past and stuff and fair enough you know they wanted to keep their team as just people that were playing and stuff like that but you know suddenly i was getting told you know you're getting excuses and you had it's like but i'm a i'm a kid myself i'm a, a you know my, my initial thought was you know what if they're right i'm rubbish i'm not we're not going to be able to keep up and not going to be able to play and then i was speaking to you know a couple of friends of bot being one of them and, you know, he was saying along the lines that he wants, he'd like to play football, but he doesn't feel like he can really get involved at certain groups. You know, you can go to, I won't, I won't name any companies and stuff that run leagues and that, but you can go to them and it's, you know, it's, it's quite, still quite competitive and it's, I just wanted to kick about, you know. So I think we did our first session. I think it was at the Lifestyle Centre. And I think there is, you know, we were, we were struggling to get 10. I think one week and I, admittedly, I weren't there because United were on and I think I went, but I think there was like six of them there and, but it was just a laugh and it was nice. It was just people that like-minded that wanted to play football really, but maybe felt that they couldn't or that, that ship had sailed. Yeah. Cause I remember like, I've just got like, when I look at my notes here, I could just sort of see that I've written down like in its absolute infancy. So it hadn't even had that first session yet. Uh, I actually remember, as you just said there, getting a message off you, just sort of saying like, you know, I want to put on some football sessions for people who maybe feel like they can't go along to a proper scheme or play for a proper team. And like you say, it was during lockdown and we just started to be allowed like group exercise again. So you were like, let's yeah. do this, let's get it, let's get it started. I like you just sort of alluded to, then you didn't really get off to the best of stars because you only had about six or seven people yeah. at last our sensor in, in Willie Shaw um, taking part in it. But we, I mean, th those six people who came to that first session really enjoyed it, didn't they? Didn't they? Yeah, it's great. And I think that's that's what it is. It's, you know, it's that relaxed environment. Now, I'll be the I'll be the first to admit, and I'll, I'd never be a hypocrite, I've probably contributed in my, you know, past to, you know, not necessarily promoting not necessarily inclusivity, but you know, football can be quite toxic. It can be quite, it can be, it can be quite daunting. Like I, I remember playing Sunday league games and going to teams and thinking, oh, I've heard, I've heard this, I've heard that. You know, teams have probably come to teams that I've played with or, you know, managed to thought, oh yeah, they're they're gobby and this that and the other. And I'll never, I'll never shy away from the fact that you know, I, I was, you know, I was a bit of a, a gobshite. Um, I think as we get older and we learn, you know, something I identified was football doesn't need to be in that that kind of environment. Football doesn't need to to be all win 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 i know it's nice to win don't don't get me wrong it's nice to win it's nice to score it's nice to assist you know goalkeepers it's nice to save a penalty but you know i just love love playing football you know i, I go on a pitch and you have a kick about and you i might have a bad game but i'll still be like well i've got out and my knees not feeling too bad you know i have a good game and i'm, I'm buzzing all week and then obviously you, you know remember our first when we did that first friendly you know scoring that penalty i've never took a penalty in my life in a game environment you know and i've got 100 percent scoring record now because i've never taken another one again so uh, <laughs> but it's it's nice but for me what really struck a tone was it's seeing how different people were you know affected by it and in in, in a positive way you know people coming out of the shell and it you know it, it blew me away and you know i think we went from having 10 and you know we ended up getting the bigger pitch and then you know these people coming from as far as warrington and salford and you know the the evening news article really helped me mm. with that and you know in my head i'm thinking what well, you know this 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 is crazy but you know it outlines the need and like unfortunately you know you you, you see it you see it in professional football unfortunately you know the game's laced with 
you know, prejudice and, you know, racism raise its ugly head now and then and, you know, sexism and homophobia. And it's, and it's almost like seeing that at the top level probably makes people think, I don't want to play it at all. Um, and it should never be like that. You know, unfortunately, I've experienced, you know, both whilst playing and managing and stuff and it really it really gets you down and you kind of lose a little bit of faith of it so i think it's nice to that we've basically created this safe space yes. almost i you know at the back it's, it's a strange term now but the more i think about it the more it makes sense for what we've created Absolutely. you know and for the girls like for for friends to approach me to set up a ladies session just hearing how you know you know, some of them were saying never played football before, but I'd love to. And it's like, why has that opportunity never been there? And I think it's really nice that we're able to give them that opportunity and you know help them on help them on their own journey. And for me, like you know, a couple of the girls are probably laugh going back to it. I was dead paranoid because the last thing I wanted to be was another another you know alpha male sticking the nose in, telling them what to do. I kind of left them up to it. It's their journey. We'll help them. Yeah, you know, which is. Which is the best way to do it, but you know we are kind of the way I look at it. We are one big family, and you know it's it's growing and growing, and it's you know it's really nice. Yes. Um, I don't, you know, um, me personally, you know, I'm learning something new every week. You know, I'll kind of sometimes I cringe and think, oh god, when I shouted at that referee, when I moaned about that decision, was it was I an idiot? I think it's just reading the environment. You know, we've played friendlies, and you know, decisions potentially woof. Haven't gone, haven't gone my way, but it is what it yeah. is. Uh, you know, it's it, like I say, life's life's a, a learning curve. It's a it's a marathon, not a sprint. But I think we're all moving in the right direction and creating something really beautiful. One of the most unique guests that we had on the podcast was actually our very first one. He was, of course, the wonderful Mark Flint, who completed his amazing running challenge this time last year, New Year's Eve last year of running at least 5k every single day of that year, so 365 consecutive days. Within that first chat that we had on that first episode, we found out that Mark had also done the Great North Run, he'd done the Manchester 10k, and he'd also done the London Marathon. And I think he also said that he worked it out that he completed the distance, the total distance that he had to do for the year. He actually completed, I think, at the end of September, but Mark being Mark, he decided to, you know, see out the year and complete the actual challenge, which he, he did do successfully. When we recorded it, he had a few runs left, uh, but I can confirm that he did go on to complete that challenge in full and run every single day of that year, at least 5K, uh, which was just an absolute mad, mad thing to do. Uh, and it's something that he came up with in the spur of the moment, as he details here. I mean, there's no easy way of asking this. Um, so I'm just, I think we're just going to have to sort of go straight into it and say, what what possessed you to start running for at least 5k every day? Um, one, it's don't get drunk on New Year's Eve in a hotel room with your girlfriend and have stupid ideas because that's part of it. <laughs> um, but I've seen a couple of people who I know from like running last year, they'd done similar things. And I just thought, like I said to you earlier on, it was, you know, lockdown, we couldn't do an awful lot you're stuck in work and you can't do anything. I just thought it was a way to, to keep myself active and and that, and I just thought, have a go. Didn't think I'd get anywhere near it, um, and here we are now. But yeah, it was literally New Year's Eve last year, had a few drinks and said, I'm going to start doing 5K every day next year. 
Oh wow! So you didn't even like you didn't even sort of like properly sit down and think about it. it was just literally on a whim thing. New Year's Eve, thought, oh, I'm going to get up tomorrow. I'm going to go out and do 5K. Then I'm going to get up the day after, do it again. And I'm going to get up a day after that and do it again and keep doing it until I reach this time next year. Exactly. Yeah. Oh. You hit the nail on the head. That's exactly it. There was no planning. There was no what challenges can I do? What can I do next year to get fit? It was New Year's Eve. I'm going to start running tomorrow. And it, yeah, here we are now. That's unbelievable. I, I genuinely, because I thought, I, I thought, I thought, surely, you know, we'll have sat down with this, thought, you know, thought long and hard about it. Um, but the fact that you just literally turned around it literally the night before, you said, oh, I'm going to do this tomorrow. And, you know, here you are, like you say, 322, 21, 22 days later. Yeah. Really at the end of it, it's, it's remarkable. It's absolutely remarkable. It really is. Um, Thank you. Um, so obviously you're going out and you're doing the running. Um, yeah. You're, you're obviously doing it for yourself and the health benefits that you've already, you've already sort of briefly mentioned. Um, yeah. Has there been any sort of like, have you noticed any changes apart from obviously like you know getting uh, the stamina sort of improving, which obviously is, is going to come from running every single day. You know, your stamina is probably going to improve from that. Has there been yeah. any other sort of like health or you know physical or mental health benefits that you've got from from going out every single day? Definitely the, the you know the physical side as you say there is like you know the cardio and feeling like you you know you can run and you can do do okay and you can run a little bit further and not stop but it's definitely the mental side and it it's having to overcome with the battles you know some days it's chucking it down you know it's fly around here in Wintershaw it's chucking it down most days and it's looking out at seven o'clock at night thinking can I be bothered and you're thinking no but then you're thinking about the bigger picture. And it's putting your trainers on, putting your shorts on, putting your jacket on, thinking it's 25 minutes or something, get out, get it done. That's the hardest part. It's just the mental, it's the mental side of it. But that's the bit that's sort of toughened me up is thinking, come on, you can do this. And it's mm. just knowing that you can overcome, you can overcome things like that. So when you have, so if, if you're having like a, if, if, I mean, if there's a particularly bad weather day or if you're having a particularly bad day in terms of like your, you know, your, your muscles just aren't up to it or, uh, or yeah. mentally, you know, you, you're thinking, oh, you know what, I might not, I don't think I'm going to be up for this today. What, yeah. what motivates you to get out, to put the trainers on, to put your coat on, like you said, and, and to actually get out and do it? What, what, what's the overriding factor that motivates you for all that? Just knowing that I can do it and the fact that, you know, I spent myself this, this challenge on you know, last year for something I've never done before and I've got this far um, and it's it's 25 minutes and I know I can run for 25 minutes if I have to run at snail's pace I can still run at snail's pace I'm not set what time I have to do it in and I know I can do it and I'm you know I'm, I'm raising money for a, for a cause and it's um, it's almost like I feel like if I didn't do it and I stopped I'd be letting them down as well not just me I'd be letting people down who supported me as well. So it's yeah. it's keeping myself accountable as well, I think. I think that's the word. Yeah. I was just about to ask you about that, actually, because um, as well as, obviously, you know, you, I mentioned before that you're doing it for yourself, you are actually doing this to raise some money for Christie's, I believe, Christie Cancer Charity. Yeah. Um, that's right, yeah. Now, I know a lot of people, when they take on challenges um, and they put a lot more thought into it than you did, I have to say that much, yeah. um, they do... They do them. They do it to raise money for causes that are close to their heart. Now, yes. is Christie's a cause that is close to your heart, or is it was it just a case of I'm going to pick a charity and that'll be the one that I go for? No, it's, I've done I've done fundraising for them previously. Um, I've done like the Manchester 10K for them. Um, I've done the Great North Run. 
um, which is a half marathon in Newcastle. I've run up the stairs of the Hilton in Manchester, you know, Tower. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not far. I've run up the stairs of like, that. Yeah. I can see the Beefham Tower from where I'm sat today, actually. So that's well, cool. Imagine, imagine, I, imagine running from the bottom of there to the top of there. Wow. Yeah. I've seen, I've, I've seen and heard of people do that challenge and it's yeah. not something that I'd like to do anytime soon. So again, fair play no, to you. I did, I did that for them as well. Um, but personally, um, my, well, one of say my uncle, you know, when you've got your dad's, one of your dad's best mates is always your, you know, your uncle, oh, that yeah. sort of thing. Classic p uh, line. Yeah, exactly. I didn't want. To, I didn't want to, I didn't want to take his credit for it. Um, <laughs> yeah, one of my dad's friends. He was. Um, he he passed away from cancer quite a few years ago. He was treated by the Christie in the sort of last few months of his life, and they looked after him really well. And unfortunately, I lost my dad um, last week to cancer as well. So oh, wow, it's it's suddenly become sort of even more personal as well to me. So yeah. Oh well, well, I'm really sorry to hear that, Mark. Uh, and I'm sure you know. I'm sure everybody from the extended Happy Sundays community send their condolences as well. Um, yeah, it's fine. So it's just made it a little bit more personal now. So exactly, yeah. And like you said before, you know, in terms of your motivation, um, you know, you, you said that you don't really want to let them down, as as it were. Um, but I'm sure now going towards the, you know these these last sort of forty days or however long it is, I'm sure that's yeah. you know, really going to be sort of the the overriding factor that that makes you really want to complete this. Not that you didn't want to already. Um, yeah. So yeah, as I say, you know, massive, massive well done to you. Um, Thanks, mate. One thing that I was going to ask you about when you're out when you're actually out on your run. So yeah. um, do you prefer? So obviously you're on a podcast with me now. Um, yeah. Do you prefer to have? something like a podcast or tunes on while you're out running or do you prefer to just be sort of along with your thoughts that sort of thing i think i think it depends on what mood i mean some days if i just want to get out there and run um like if i'm maybe training for something i like to not have my music on so i can sort of focus on if i've got a, if i want to try and do a certain like time so i know what i'm trying to do but then most nights it's headphones on and it's either a, a you know a podcast or a or a playlist. I think I'd, I prefer to have music on, um, just as a you know different types of music. Mm. I think if I'm you know if I want to run quick, I maybe put like a an upbeat playlist on. If I want to just take it easy, to put some chilled out on, or just put a, a really good podcast on, like you know to do with football or or mental health, something like that. And just listen to that, and you know, and just switch off. I think it just depends what mood I'm in. Yeah, and do you? I know some people um, when they listen to to music when they go around running, they actually prefer listening to slow music because um, they're able to sort of pace themselves to it. Or some people, again, on the flip side of that, really like having like absolutely, you know, um, really sort of like you know, two hundred twenty beats per minute sort of thing going, <laughs> just to get them, you know, give them that extra sort of push. Uh, are you sort yeah. of in the middle? Are you sort of mid mid range or? When I when I first started doing this, like beginning of the year, um, obviously I wasn't as as tired, so I was running a lot quicker, and I was sort of pushing myself and challenging myself to try and run quicker. Mm. So then I'd I'd start off, and I'd do the same playlist every time, and I'd start off in the same point. So I knew, say for example, the first time I did it in say six and a half songs. If by the time I got back next time it was six songs. I knew it'd gone quicker, so I oh, knew okay. where. Do you know sort of beating it that way? Right. Okay. Yeah. So that's a good sort of like. Um, like a, a measure good, of where you are. Yeah, like a good sort of vantage point, sort of thing. Then. Yeah, exactly. So I was, us- I was using that, um, but 
I wasn't, I didn't really find like listening to an upbeat playlist would make me go quicker. It was just more if I'd got, if I knew how many songs I'd been listening to, how many tunes I'd been listening to. If they hadn't finished by the time I got back, I knew I was quicker. So that was sort of my gauge, you know, I knew I was going to enjoy what I was listening to. Well, On Monday evenings at St Paul's High School in Willingshaw, you will often find a large selection of our participants taking part in a fitness session being delivered by Hayden Delbridge. Hayden is a qualified personal trainer and has been involved with Happy Sundays right from the very start. In episode 3, Hayden came onto the podcast to talk about his own journey into becoming a qualified PT and also what it means to be involved with Happy Sundays itself. Yeah, so aside from... So when I first got involved with football initially I think it was Nathan who asked me and Rickard to get involved he said oh uh, Josh Deegan's playing you know Adam Artis is there and then mm. as soon as we went up I've, I've never been like mega close mates with Joe um I've no always known of him um probably someone who would say hi to would never stop and have a conversation with yeah but I, I loved the idea of it because it really fell into what I do I've mm. to give a bit of background as well I help uh people who aren't confident to some people aren't confident to leave the house so I want to train complete beginners new to exercise or coming back from injuries or coming back from, you know, a, a, a weight loss journey that's failed. And it really fell into place with this. So when I seen the atmosphere, it really helped me because I've always suffered with knee injuries and it gave me a good way back into it with all people screaming at you for losing a ball or what have you. Um, and it was, it's really funny because, again, I know that, you know, we we speak about the stars aligning, um, but <laughs> I remember... I'd speak to uh, Joe Sherritt, who was down from Italy at the time. I said, I want to start running classes. Um, and I, I thought to myself, if I start running classes, I know that some of the Happy Sundays bunch will, will join it and, you know, get involved. I just yeah. thought, where so what? Uh, one week, I wrote down places in Sale. I wrote the, some community centres in Sale and Wivenshaw and the surrounding mm -hmm. areas. And I thought, right, it was a Friday night. I wrote these down. I thought, on Monday, I'm going to ring up. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do this because I've got this. I've got this idea. I've got limited equipment, and I want to run sort of a fitness class, sort of circuit style. I knew exactly how I wanted to do it, who I wanted to attract. I kid you not. The next day, I got a message off Joe, and it read something like, "Hi, mate. Um, tell me if this is a crap idea, but I've just been told by Gary, who works at St Paul's, that we can have mm. his hall to run some classes." And I messaged him back, and it was one of those, like, I cannot believe you've just said that. Yeah. And well, the time is perfect. The timing was, like, insane because yeah. I'd even had someone ring a couple of places for me. He said, it's at St. Paul's. I don't know what the hall's like, but he said, it's always free, and we can have it. He said, I don't know if it's going to be what it's going to cost, but let me know. So I think it was that Saturday morning. So I said, absolutely. And I think I forwarded that on to Joe Sherritt because I said, hey, you won't believe what's just happened. <laughs> uh, so he's like, oh my God, that's amazing. So I put that yeah. forward. I think me and Joe met the following Thursday. We went over it, went on, went over how much we wanted to charge. And I said to him, look, in my head, I've always had four pound. I've always wanted to charge four pound for class. Under a five always seems um, affordable. It's 50p more than your Tesco meal deal. So, you know, there's, there's, no, there's no excuses. <laughs> but then I thought, I, I want to help everyone. So if some people can't afford it, then just come along. As long as people aren't taking a mick, I want, I want to show people that you will feel better when you move more. Doesn't matter how much, doesn't matter how little. Take those baby tips and just I'll show you that through exercise, you will feel better mentally and physically. 
So we agreed on £4. We agreed to put it on Pemby. We agreed to make the first two weeks free of charge to sort of um, embed it and trial it, if you like. Um, and he said, should we do it on Monday? So on the Thursday, I'm, I'm crapping myself a bit. Then I think, God, <laughs> we had to go and plan this. Uh, it was easy to plan because I already had everything sort of in. Yeah. Yeah. But over that weekend, I was thinking, wow, you know, when like it's something that you dream of is coming to life, it doesn't seem quite real. And then it's like a bit of a pinch me moment. Definitely. And I've yeah. been a few of them along this journey with you guys. But mm. that on that Monday after the class, it was just like a wow that you know, it's 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 amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, it's just it's just crazy how everything sort of like worked out and and now so so tell us what, what we've got what you've got on offer then. Like this is your chance to sort of sell the fitness classes to the masses. Yeah, so I'll sh- shall I go with the um, like the Instagram advertisement attend five of our classes and you are rock hard apps <laughs> you do it however you want to do it um but <laughs> if people no, see you advertisement, it's not on us and it's not on the happy sundays podcast <laughs> it's on you yeah i put it on you you told me to say it um so we at the minute we're running so it's gonna well, i don't know when this podcast will go out but at the minute it's um on a monday at six till seven and seven to eight we run a boot camp these boot camps are for everyone. When I say everyone, we've had people who have never trained before come to these classes and they've loved it and they've been coming every week. You know, I, I hope he doesn't mind me name dropping him, but Jim, you know, he came, he's never really been in that environment, but he's not missed a week since. He's loving it. It doesn't matter how old you are. We have people in, the, we've had, I think we've had a couple of people in the teens, mainly sort of young 20s. We've had people in the 50s. You know, it doesn't matter how old you are. The great if you're coming back from an injury great if you've had bad experiences in the gym because you'll be put through everything you'll be put through your paces don't get me wrong you'll be a sweaty tomato after it as some people like to tell me um but you'll enjoy it you know the thing that i like the most about these classes is how everyone comes together especially at the end when everyone's basically talking about how knackered they are or you know i hope you don't mind me saying but craig and philip are talking about what they're getting from the chinese <laughs> After, after just spending all the way to exercise class. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's not exactly there. No, but it's great. Everyone's sort of has a, a great yeah. togetherness at the end of it. And, you know, people like Sarah tell me every week and just how encouraging people are. You know, it, she'll say like Callum and Jerome was so encouraging that week, you know, and how good it is to see how hard people are working. But yeah, on a Monday, a seven, six or seven and seven slate, we have boot camp. Then we introduced a box fit class on a Thursday, which is going to change to a Wednesday in April. And this again, it's not a professional boxing class by any means. You're going to be hitting a few pads. You're going to be doing a bit of bodyweight exercise and you'll love it. This and sometimes people find nothing better than throwing a few punches after a day at work. Um, and unfortunately we haven't got, um, we can't put people's faces on the pads, but you can pretend if you've got any anger towards any siblings or what have you. <laughs> But no, it's 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 great to see everyone enjoying that as well. It's awesome, man. and as I said, you know, I've been to classes. I really enjoy them. A lot of people involved with the football side of it have now come to them. Um, I think you had a record at the start of the year, didn't you? Did did, did we have a attendance like, record that's been set very recently? Yeah. So I think in the first, I think in total during the week we had fifty three people in total, which is crazy. So the- that's 50, 53 people from the local community that either for whatever reason want to get back into training don't feel comfortable training um just want to feel 
get fit again or I just want to do it to help their own sort of weight loss journey or weight gain journey if need be and that's 53 people that come along to these classes and they're enjoying it and you know they've got you to thank for that which you must it must be such a humbling sort of feeling it is like the thing is with me I come away from that and I just thought you know I got to help you know one night it was 32 people I got to help 32 people even get one step closer to their goals you know I'm not going to yeah. say that that one class is going to change their life it's not but I got to help them on their way in some way, and that that means that's what I'm. That's why I do this. One thing that we try to do here at Happy Sundays is raise awareness of disabilities and conditions because we have people with certain disabilities and certain conditions who come and take part in our sessions. April marks Autism Awareness Week, and back in April we had participant Daniel Lang on the podcast to raise awareness of the condition and how it affects him when he's playing in our sessions. Here's what he had to say. Well, with autism, it's a condition where it affects like your social interactions with people, but also it can affect your senses as well. So, for example, how I compare it to people is the simplest way to explain it to someone is like Windows and Apple. Okay. It's basically a different processing system for how your brain works. Oh, okay. That's a pretty good, uh, pretty good comparison. That really, it's like it's a sort of I want to say a dumbed down comparison, but it's not. It's like a in layman's terms, really. That it's, yeah, because I think yeah. like if you explain it in like layman's terms, it helps people like understand things like easier and better. Also, with autism, it affects your senses to a point where it affects each person differently. Where in terms of like your senses, but also your emotional regulation as well. Like, sometimes it can be either, like, dulled down or it can be, like, heightened. So, say with me, uh, my hearing is heightened okay. to a point where certain accents can cause me pain. All right. Hopefully mine doesn't. I'm, I'm like, as man as they come, so I'm, I'm hoping my accent isn't causing well, you pain. that's either <laughs> it's, uh, unfortunately, the Liverpool one caused me a fair bit of pain. <laughs> Sounds like someone's choking. I think that's the case for a lot of people, to be fair, mate. <laughs> um, my sense of smell is heightened to the point where, like, perfumes can be, like, trigger me to want to be sick because of the smells that overpower him. Wow. But also, I can't even walk, struggling to walk past Greg's. The food is nice. Yeah. But the smell, because it's so overpowering, so I know it makes me want to even throw up. Wow. But also, it affects, with me, it affects my pain senses as well. Okay. To a point where my pain sensors are dulled down where I can injure myself, but no, say, for example, someone else, like we saw that time where my dad injured myself, but he felt the pain, like, straight away. Yeah. I could do an injury like that, but to me, it'd feel like pain, like, it'd feel like a paper cut. Okay. It's like that imbalance. Right. So, like, an under, under, yeah. an under of your sense sort of thing, then, yeah. Yeah. Right. Which can be a bit annoying when you go into A and E and like the triage nurse is like, What's that pain like? And she's there whacking you. I could bless that where my arm looks visibly broken. It's like, No, it's a two. It's a two. And it's still like a one or two. It wouldn't be in pain. A little fact that I've sort of found out, and I got this from a video that you sent me, uh, and I'm going to put some sound bites of it into this. And also, I'll put a link to it uh, in, the, in, the, in the episode description as well. You say in the video, The Centre for Disease Control officially estimates that 1% of the world's population are diagnosed with autism. Now, most people hearing that might think, well, 1% isn't really that much. But when you think about it, there's 7.8 billion people on Earth. 
So that's around 78 million people worldwide with autism, which is a huge number. So are you surprised by that figure, Dan? Or does it surprise you that it's not actually higher? I think it's higher because you have to think about years and years ago, people didn't know what it was. They just thought people were either like what you'd say weird or a bit like strange. Like, so you've got people that are like undiagnosed mm. with it that are probably now in like the 40s and 50s. So I'd say that number is would actually be higher, but because of it can be hard to diagnose or the pathway to being diagnosed is quite long and arduous, then people unfortunately don't get diagnosed. Well, speaking of diagnosis then, Dan, so how old were you when you were diagnosed? Um, was it at birth or was it quite early on or was it quite later on in life? For me, it was the year after I graduated university. So when I was 22. 22, really? Yeah. Wow. The reason because, reason because is I have cerebral palsy as well. And sometimes the physical symptoms of that are similar to autism and Asperger's. And because I'm at the Asperger's end, right which is the old diagnosis term, they call it high-functioning. Okay. Well, they basically say, like, then people are seen as, like, being able to function in the community, but they still have, like, the sensory issues. But some people have it, like, really bad to where it can, like, cause them pain or they can't even speak. In July of this year, England women football team, otherwise known as the Lionesses, managed to bring football home by beating Germany two goals to one at Wembley in the final of the European Championship. It was a fantastic tournament witnessed by many, but one person in particular was there every single step of the way. We managed to get her on the podcast to give us an exclusive insight into what it was like following the Lionesses up and down the country as they became champions. Friend of Happy Sunday, Charlotte Wilkins, came onto the podcast to let us know about an unforgettable summer, going to every single game, are watching the Lionesses bring it home at Wembley. So let's just go back then to, uh, if we can, just let's talk a little bit more about the Euros. So you went to every single Lionesses game. You covered the length and breadth of the country. Aside from the final then, so obviously the final was like the massive highlight that everybody who, who was following that tournament. But aside from the final, what was your favourite game that you went to? Oh, probably, probably my favourite games probably were England games just because I was a neutral and didn't care. I cared so much about the England game. So probably like Sweden-Netherlands, like, it was such a fair tournament. Like, countries like Italy and Portugal are quite low-rated, but they still managed to score against Netherlands and things. So it was just a great tournament. It felt equal. Um, like, all teams were sort of, you know, competing at the same level. So probably, like, seeing countries like Italy and Portugal score against big countries and celebrating with their fans and meeting people from other countries. Like, I met um, a Sweden girl who um, doesn't even watch WSL, but she follows Sweden as like I follow the Lionesses. And it was just good to connect with people from other countries and and see how what the women's like women's game is like in their country and yeah, yeah meet people I'd never thought I'd ever meet, you know, some Norway fans, yeah. Swedish fans. Yeah, it was great, great summer. So who did you go to the games with? Did you go on your own and then end up sort of being able to network with those people or did you have somebody come with you initially? I know like one or two other people that went to games, but that's the thing, like, don't let anyone stop you if you want to go to a football game and you can't find anyone. Just go because you will meet people. I'm quite a shy person. I managed to speak to people who don't speak English. <laughs> like, I had a great time, you know. I recently got my first car, so just that was just, like, the ticket point. I'm going to go drive to Southampton by myself and go and see Norway v Northern Ireland and have the best time, and that's what I did. And I just 
bought a ticket for every single game I could go to, which ended up being a game every single day of the tournament. That's incredible. Yeah. You know, especially like, like I said, this time last year, it was the men's Euros. We couldn't go to games. You know, there's so many players I wanted to go see, but I couldn't because, it, you know, it was locked down. Manchester, you know, when things opened up, we couldn't get to games still because we were still in the high term. And, you know, 18 months later, finally going to games, I thought, that's it. Nothing's stopping me anymore. The government's not <laughs> stopping me. No one's stopping me. If you want to go to a game by yourself, go for it. You'll meet people and you'll enjoy it. And the players are so grateful for you to come to the games. After the game, they all come over to you and say, thank you, take selfies, keep your wow. shirt if you're lucky. But uh, yeah, I had the best tournament and I just thought, I knew a few people, but I did yeah. quite a few games for myself. New people, talk to people, um, just put myself out there and meet new people was what I needed, to be honest. You mentioned then about like literally... You said then you literally just got in your car, drove to Southampton on your own. So that was one that was one of my first questions gonna be like, how much planning was the most planning going to games? Or was it just literally like, as you said, that's it, I'm gonna buy as many tickets as I can, just go. Was it just literally just that idea or was it was there like an actual like proper itinerary that you that you sort of stuck to for for the tournament? Literally probably side it out at the beginning of June. I had all my England and stuff started and then getting um a car was just like the main thing. I need to mention as well, like women's tickets are affordable you know i apart from the england games they have gone up in price around 40 pounds for the england game but these other countries you're talking about 15 pounds for a ticket maybe less that's a good seat you could probably get it for 10 8 pound as well so this is why it's affordable um and then i think i started buying all the tickets i think we did the draw in april oh this is simon going past which you can hear <laughs> so it's a, it's a live recording we'll keep that bit in just for yeah, just so you know the sirens <laughs> but um yeah so Games and women's ticket price to the women's games is super affordable, and tickets were cheap as like fifteen pounds, ten pounds for the the higher seats. But most of the stadiums, you know, they weren't full, so you could move around and walk. I, you know, I went to games myself, and I just thought, you know, I'm next to this person, ask, you know, who they support, and um, that's how I planned it. They were quite cheap, you know. You find hotels under fifty pounds as well, and you just, I just went for it. I just thought, you know what, nothing's stopping me. This is my holiday for the year. Going yeah. a home tournament. <laughs> when are we ever going to get? a home tournament like this again. The World Cup's in Australia next year. I've got no chance of going there, but met most of it was in England and can get to as many games as I can. As the podcast grew bigger, so did our guests. And in November, I had the absolute honour of speaking to friend of Happy Sundays and professional actor, Andrew Ellis. We chatted to him a little bit about his career and about how he got into acting. And we also chatted about his own involvement with Happy Sundays. This was a really, really good chat. Really long as well. I had to split it into two. And if you want to listen to both episodes, please do go back and find them because they are both absolutely fascinating. Here is a clip from Andy about his involvement in Happy Sundays and what it means for him to be involved. Let's talk a little bit about your involvement in Happy Sundays, shall we? Uh, and we'll, 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 we'll look to sort of wrap this up now. Um, so I was I was really, really pleased when, because in its infancy really, when we were still on the KGs before we moved into the bigger pitch, um, mm-hmm. in its infancy, I was really pleased to see you come along because... Um, I know that in the lead up to you attending some of our sessions, um, you were actually doing, uh, you were working sort of on your fitness a little bit and doing Couch to 5K. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you smashed it, smashed it, by the way, absolutely smashed it. Cheers, mate. And you were really, really sort of taken in by running, weren't you? I fell in love with it, man. I fell in love with it. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, again, it was, that, it was that lockdown thing. I think it was it was this, this, this sort of second bit of lockdown, not the, not the bit where we were all thinking, wow, why is the sun out every day? It was it was the winter. It was like when yeah. the second wave, um, and my wife 
she's a nurse, so she she still worked obviously throughout. Mm. So I'd have the kids all day, and then she'd get home, and I'd be like, I just need, I just want to get out for an hour. Yeah, and uh, I'd take the dogs out, or go for a walk, and just have an hour, just have like half an hour or so to myself. And I tried couch to five k about four or five times before this, like f- throughout the years, um, and just always got to like week two or three and just give up. And then it made it, I was like, I've got nothing else to do now. Nothing else. Just yeah. see it through, man. And I for it. I yeah. fell in love with running and still do that. I don't, I try and, I, I, I do at least 5K a week now. I was yeah. doing, I was doing sort of 15 to 20K a week. And wow. once, I'd, once I'd completed the cows to 5K. Not all in one, but like broken up, 5K a night. Or yeah, yeah, sometimes up, I'd yeah. do, I'd do 10K here, 7K, 5K or whatever. Um, but I just fell in love with it. I just enjoyed because I love. I don't know why. I think it's nostalgia mixed in with just like you say. I just, I just I do love Wivenshaw. Um, I love nothing more than just walking around Wivenshaw. Sometimes I walk everywhere. I don't drive. Um, I walk everywhere, and I always choose to walk as well. I love walking. So if I, if, I, if I've got to go Civic for summer, I only I don't live far from a tram. I'll walk. I just enjoy it. Yeah. And then, so running became that because I'd just run to like, especially like say during lockdown when you couldn't really see your friends and stuff, I'd run down like Glayside Road because we used to have a mate who lived at the bottom of Glayside Road and I'd just, I'd just run and like just be thinking of the happy times that we'd spend as yeah. kids, you know, bombing it down the, the there's a, a hill near the motorway bridge that if it used to snow, you could go down. Just little things like that. <laughs> running around Civic, anything like that and just kind of you know, but yeah, I fell in love with running, and then um, Joe mentioned Joe Farah um, mentioned about him sort of and a few other lads like yourself, you know, starting up uh, like a football thing. And again, like I say, I've I've never really, really been a huge, huge football fan, but I enjoy playing sports ish. <laughs> but because I got into running, I was like, yeah, okay, I'll, I want to give this a go, and more than anything. It was, I wanted, at that time as well, I wanted social, I wanted the social aspect. Yeah. I wanted a group of, of, of lads, mates, because again, we were, you know, it was locked down, it was like, I just want to go out with a group of mates who aren't my mates that I see on Zoom, or whatever now, mm. and just have a just have a laugh with them, really. And that's that was the great thing. Was that the biggest part of it then, about Happy Sundays that made you want to be involved, or was the like... Oh, you know, there's the active side of it. Not you said about the football side, yeah. not really too forced. But was it the social aspects of it that sort of said, right, this is for me? Yeah. More than any other sort of sporting incentive that's out there, was it that? I think so, mate. Yeah, I think so. Because, again, like, you know, I knew a few. And I liked that. I liked that I knew a few years. Yeah. But I didn't know everyone. And I'm... Yeah, yeah. As much as an outgoing person I project to be, I'm very shy. I am I I am not I I can talk to to people for days, but I'm projecting. You see, I'm trying to 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 hide my shyness, um, and so it, often when we're at the beginning of sessions, when we're getting our shoes on, uh, our boots on, and stuff, or the shoes on, we're not going dancing. We get our boots on and stuff. Um, I, I'm quite quiet. And, and and sometimes I think people probably think I'm arrogant and I'm like, I'm not. I'm just mm-hmm. painfully shy. And then I'll yeah. see you or I'll see Joe or I'll see your your Joe or someone that I saw. Yeah. And I'll be like, hey, mate, you're all right. How's it going? 
I can talk them. Um, <laughs> if it's people I don't really know, I'm a bit sick. So I wanted to push myself there as well. I wanted to go and meet a, yeah. a, a new bunch of lads from the area and, and that. And, yeah. And just make some new mates. And I have, you know, there's some top, yeah. top blokes who, who who go along and ladies now to the ladies to the ladies one and stuff so yeah i think more than the uh, more than the sport you know the fitness side's a massive bonus um yeah but yeah i just i just yeah enjoyed that especially after lockdown when everyone was kind yeah. of yeah and you're obviously have been you, you've been quite a, very recently really you've been quite a big part of our social side of it because yourself and tomo did a dj set for us uh, a 90s night we did so obviously we've got a big sort of like social aspect to yeah. it we try our best to put on uh, like theme nights or, or, or like we're doing the wars night for Christmas, mm-hmm. for example, soon. And I know that obviously Joe reached out to yourself, said would you be up for doing a, a DJ set? Because um, that's something that you go around doing, like the festival circuit. And, and yeah, 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 yeah. And you come on, you did a, you did a, a, a sort of a band I was set for. It was, it was brilliant, you know, and that's a lot about what we're about. And for you to say yes i'll do that that was a really sort of big big thing for us so obviously you know, thank you for doing that but i think that as you just sort of mentioned then really adds to the social side of it it gives people a reason to get out of the house and come to the pub and enjoy themselves and obviously get pictures with yourself with tomo and and be part of this network this family that we've got going on so so yeah so thank you for for, for being part of that with us i also have to thank you as well for odd draw digital because yourself and jamie shelton um, you've got this production company, it's called Audra yeah. Digital, and you are proud sponsors now of our, uh, our Awake Kit, our Black Awake Kit, and you're also the brains, the brilliant brains, I've got to say, behind our fantastic uh, launch video for our home kit that we've got. If you've not seen that yet, please do log on to our socials. It's our pinned post on all of our social media. Uh, please give that video a watch, a like, a share, because it's absolutely fantastic. So, Audra... <laughs> How, how did that come about then? What's what's the story? Uh, yeah, um, thank you for that, mate. It was really nice to see that. Um, uh, yeah, so um, me, uh, myself, Jamie Shelton, um, you mentioned before, and uh, Lewis Briggs um, uh, were the three sort of directors, founders of, of our draw. Um, we all worked together at Unilad uh, for a while, uh, various sort of roles, but within their kind of in-house video team. I ran the uh comedy and scripted side Janie was like sort of like one of the head directors there uh videographers there and lewis was 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 a producer there as well one of the one of the head producers um and we just obviously me and jamie like i said before you know we've been best mates since we were sort of like seven um and we met lewis there oh i've got all dark now one minute alexa living room she, she won't wait me yeah we're not filming anyway we? <laughs> sorry uh, yeah, so uh, technology again. Alexis, just turn the lights off. There you go. Um, yeah, so um, we met Lewis at Unilad and gelled with him straight away. Really lovely bloke. And we sort of seen that the writing was on the wall at Unilad because it, it was it was going underpants fairly quickly and it got bought over by uh, Lad Bible. Um, and we knew they were going to make redundancies, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So we were kind of like, right, okay, why don't we set up our own little production company? We all love working together. We know we're not going to be doing that for much longer. So let's make our own thing up. And we did. Um, after leaving there, we set up Odd Draw. Um, and yeah, we're 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 a, we're a production company. Um, you know, we 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 mostly started out doing sort of social stuff, akin to the uni lab things. 
Um, but then, yeah, we started doing a bit of commercial stuff now, which is great. You know, we've just done a, a few commercial bits and bobs. We worked for uh, a gaming company called Guild Esports for a while. Uh, David Beckham co-owns them. Wow. That was quite cool. Technically, David Beckham was our boss at one point. Um, <laughs> um, and yeah, so we've done some really good stuff, man. Um, you know, and we're, we're a young company. We started off, like I say, 2018, 19. Obviously, didn't do much during COVID, really, because, again, you couldn't really film much. We did odd little bits, <laughs> odd little bits. Um, but, uh, yeah, last year we, we met, beginning of this year, sorry, we met and was kind of like, right, what are we going to do? Where are we going to go and stuff? Um, and then just we've just gone from strength to strength this year, which is really good, really, really, really good. We've had, a, we've had a great year in terms of getting, you know, clients and stuff and, we're now doing what we want to do and we're going to hopefully next year start making our own stuff which is what where we wanted to go in terms of you know we've got a, a short film in the pipeline um with a with a with a, a an actor turned director who's i can't i don't think i can say who it is but um he's uh he's, he's a brilliant mancunian actor um who, who, who's going to turn his hand to direct him uh and and hopefully a feature film with with a with a new up and coming director and stuff. So yeah, and then obviously, wow. you know, Joe Joe asked us if we could sponsor um, the kit, and it was a no brainer. Like obviously, you know, we that kit's just beautiful, isn't it? The the kit that we made a, a video for. It's it's so nice, yeah. And that video, man, oh my word! It's I mean, when I watched it, the genuine goosebumps. Like it's just and the poem that Lewis did for us as well on the voiceover unbelievable just everything about it it was like a proper like a proper team having a proper kit launch it was just incredible so again as i said before you know thank you for for, for doing that for us we, we really do appreciate it oh no man yeah. like you say you know happy sundays has really helped me um you know and i love coming and playing when i can following on for speaking to andrew ellis we then had the absolute pleasure of having an ex-professional footballer on the podcast ex-stockport county captain michael rings was our next guest and within that episode, he chatted to us about the importance of grassroots and what incentives like ours can do and what they mean for the local community. That's brilliant. I, I like what you said then about like about having lads who you know are mixed ability and trying your best to get mixed ability because that was very much what we do in our sessions. Yeah. That we have you know we what, the big thing when we said it all up was about being open for all because we believe that you know football should be yeah. enjoyable for everybody. Yeah. How important do you think that incentives like ours are for helping people continue to play the game for when they finish playing, for example, or when they finish playing like Sunday League or just wanting to carry on playing, but also for maybe getting into football for like the very first time? I think it's easier. I always use it as an example. It's not just been a job for me. It's sort of created who I am and what I believe in football. It's sort of right. given me all my principles. Obviously, you have your family principles that are drifting from a younger age, but... It's sort of, I don't think I'm ever late. I'm always ridiculously early because mm. if I was ever late in football, I'd get a massive fine. I always have the right uniform on because, again, if you didn't have the right kit on, the you'd get a massive fine. Little things like that, it's sort of been implemented in because of the football world. 
Um, and again, I sort of tried to drip feed that, probably not as, as strict as what we had it, but to these younger lads, and it's not just the football side we try to work on, it is sort of everything else. And, you know, our, our thing that we've got, it's obviously quite open in terms of having like a network to bounce off. Yeah. In, in terms of, you know, getting support if everything's needed, whether that be with, you know, mental health or, or even or physical health. Yeah. You know, one thing that, is viewed again from the outside looking in is that the professional game is quite masculine and it's only recently that we've started to see pro players open up a little bit more yeah so do you think that enough's been done by the pfa to support these pro players to support these younger players that you're working with now or do you think that more can still be done i think it is growing like you said i can sort of only deal from my experience and everything i've ever asked for from the pfa's professional point of view we've done we have um, player liaison officers now in terms of the academy, and you have that from under nines all the way up to under 18s. Then you go in in the first team environment, there's a player care officer there, so not liaison, player care officer. So you have always got somebody to talk to. And even in our college programme, we have a player care for terms of any problems lads have. They've got someone they can go to that's a... There's a reference point because, like you said, they might not want to talk to the coaches because of that masculine front. And I think it's mm. the walls are slowly being knocked down with that four people to open up. And has that changed massively from when oh, you were playing at that age? Yeah. In terms of even when I retired, we didn't have any of that. It's been over the last four or five years, I think it's really gone like that. Like that. Yeah. And maybe because that's the way the world is at the minute in terms of everybody's struggling, aren't they? Everything. I think so. I think so, yeah. Through over the last couple of years and everyone's obviously feeling a pinch at the minute and it's it's probably the time where everyone's needing to rely on everybody else because we're all going through this this sort of together. What would you now, now that you have finished playing, now that you're in the like the coaching side of it, yeah. if you like, what's the dream now? What's what is it to become a manager? No. Ultimately no, or oh it's not I did I like it restraining now, like no nope. it interests me. Um if I'm honest, I've not really thought about it. I've sort of fell into this job um, through obviously playing with with Stockport and stuff I was doing away from here. So I used to volunteer at school and that's how I got this job because the old teacher then become head of academy at Stockport who brought me in. So I've sort of fell into this job and then I've come in as a coach. Then I've become head of football and I'm sort of head of football and education, which is a really, really good job. And it's I want to make this programme grow as best as I can and make it the best it is in terms of football college programmes that I can change a lot of young lads' lives. Um, with Shaw, for example, when I first joined the course, out of 80 lads, there was one lad from Shaw. I think we've got 20 now, I'm just short of 20. So straight away for me, that's been a big tick. Um, into yeah. getting lads around here to, to sort of know the programme and what yeah. they thought. I suppose it's a nice way with that as well of you giving something back to the community that's given you so much exactly. as well. Yeah, exactly. That's that's sort of, it was my goal straight away that yeah, I, I got to there and I was like, what? Well, so you get to educate with no tests and you get to play football every day. And I thought every school in Withenshaw would be all over this. And it's like, yeah. you just didn't know about it. That's been my sort of goal. I've been going into schools around here and sort of letting lads know that this is available for them because it's, like I said, it's it's something I'd rather do than sitting in a classroom every day. So there you have it. There was our little look back at the Happy Sundays podcast for 2022. Here is hoping that in 2023 we can continue to bring you fantastic guests, telling fantastic stories. 
Thank you so much for sticking with us over the last year, and here is to an even bigger and better year in 2023.